0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of b Shafe Daily. My name's Brendan Schaefer, breaking down some Cardinals baseball here on Tuesday, April 20th. As the Cardinals, I think, for the first time this year, lost a game tonight against the Washington Nationals in D.C. where they should have won this game, and they let it slip away. I think that's the first time I can honestly say that's happened this season. Because when you look throughout the Cardinals' box scores this year... They've either beat the tar out of teams, or they've come away with these gritty wins in low-scoring games, or they've lost, and in the games that they've lost, they've done so handily on that side of the ball. Looking for an exception, you could say, well, what about the Aaron Nola game against the Phillies in this previous series when the Cardinals lost 2 to nothing?" You can't say that a game you only lose by two runs, you didn't have a chance to win. But I'm saying it, because the Cardinals weren't scoring... And he runs that day off of Nola. And, you know, maybe if they had gotten to the Phillies' bullpen, they could have been able to get on the board. We can talk about the parallels to that conversation with this game tonight where the Cardinals did ultimately find their way into the lead based on getting to the Nationals' bullpen because they weren't doing it tonight against the Washington starter, Patrick Corbin. Corbin entered this game as one of, if not the worst, starter in Major League Baseball this season. I'm looking at his box score stat line after this one six innings of scoreless baseball and his ERA is somehow still 10.95 after this game could that possibly be right you look at his game logs from earlier in the season it's only his third start of the year and it is right there's no way there is anybody in Major League Baseball worse than this guy coming into the season or I should say coming into this game tonight Corbin over the course of time has been a pretty effective pitcher I know he's dealt with some injuries, but he got that big contract with the Nationals, had a really good 2019 season, uh, was good in 2018 for Arizona before he ended up signing that free agent deal with the Nats. Joins in 2019, that's their world championship year, so obviously that pays off for them. Last season he was kind of mediocre, but again, you want to kind of throw those stats out for a lot of guys and just say, well, what really would he have done in a regular 162-game season? ERA about four and a half for Corbin last year. But coming into this game tonight, it was over 21. And the Cardinals made him look like Randy Johnson. Or maybe a more apt description would be Anibal Sanchez. I went Randy Johnson because of the left-handed factor. Anibal Sanchez, of course, the Nationals pitcher that shut down the Cardinals in the NLCS back in 2019. And, you know, Cardinals just couldn't score any runs in that series. And it's not that they couldn't score runs in this series because they proved that they're capable. They do know how to do so, scoring 12 against the Nats yesterday, hitting five home runs in that game and winning 12-5. to But again, here we are. Welcome back, everybody. If it's not one, it's the other for the Cardinals. You're either going to score double digits or not much at all. Tonight, the Cardinals lose 3-2. to And I mentioned at the top that it was a game that they should have won. The first time I can say that this season, honestly, that the Cardinals had a game in hand and they let it slip away where they really legitimately not only had a chance to win the game, but they should have won the game. Because the performance that you get from Adam Wainwright on your side of the ball, from a pitching perspective, was sensational. The bright spot you can take from this evening as a Cardinals fan, Wainwright has some gas left in the tank. And he proved it tonight, seven innings of one-run baseball, ten strikeouts for Adam Wainwright. You don't often see him dip into the double digits in the Ks category, and he always talks about it when he does rack up the strikeouts. It's because he's getting into favorable counts, 1-2, 0-2, and he's allowing himself to just pound strikes. And, you know, you set yourself up in those kinds of counts, you're going to be able to hit the corners a little more effectively, feel your swagger as you're building it on the mound. In the seventh inning tonight, Wainwright looked as good as I think we've seen him in a while. And that's not to say that he hasn't looked good, because all of 2020, he was the Cardinals ace, averaging nearly seven innings per start, had a sensational ERA. He carried this team from a pitching perspective during the pandemic-shortened season. But tonight in the seventh inning, given all that I think kind of was baked into that situation, I was just so blown away impressed by the way he was performing out on the mound. He doesn't do it with velocity anymore. We know that. He's going 90-92 to most of this game as far as uh, his heater stuff. But he was absolutely painting. And he was getting calls that objectively aren't strikes. But I mentioned this on Twitter. I don't mind that at all. And not just because I cover the Cardinals and Adam Wainwright is a Cardinal and I'm being a homer. I would say this about no matter who the pitcher is and no matter who the umpire is. I like it when a pitcher is demonstrating the ability to hit his spots and work a game that it starts to bleed in a little bit to the mentality and the way the umpire calls that game. A lot of people would totally disagree with this take, and that's okay. I recognize that maybe it's a little bit outside the bounds you know, of the spirit of the rules, of what the rules ought to be. If you're a fan of the possibility of a robot umpire sometime in the future for Major League Baseball, you probably won't like what I have to say here. Wainwright's off the plate by, in some cases, maybe it's just an inch or two right on the black. If you're looking at the uh, the little score bug box that they'll put on the TV broadcast, which I'm not a fan of, but uh, I would say generally that gives you an idea of whether a ball a pitch should be called a ball or a strike. So he's painting those corners. And then you, you have situations where in a two-strike count, I'm not saying you're trying to waste a pitch, but you're not trying to throw it right down the middle. That's what Giovanni Gagos did later in this game that lost the Cardinals the lead. I'm kind of going out of order here, but specific to Wainwright, he's pitching, Yadi's setting up the glove several inches off the plate on the inside or outside or wherever it might be. And there's a lot that goes into that with the framing aspect from Yadier Armelina Molina where he positioned his body to give the umpire a look at it. But listen, even if a guy's set four inches off inside the plate... If he doesn't move his mitt at all, that's an execution of a pitch, and the umpire is going to reward that. I, will, I won't say more times than not, but he's going to reward it. He certainly did tonight because Wainwright was pinpoint with his location. I would say starting in about the second, third inning, he really started to get into a role with this outing and ends up striking out the side in the seventh. When he did so, the Cardinals had taken a lead, not because they were able to get to Patrick Corbin, but because Davey Martinez allowed somebody else to pitch to them. I do not understand what he was doing taking Corbin out of this game after only 76 pitches, I believe it was, before he even got through seven innings. I mean, this guy was efficient. He was strong. Cardinals had just four hits against him. A couple of those coming in the first few innings. Cardinals looked like they might have something rolling at the start of this game. Weren't able to capitalize and get any runs off of it. End up getting four in six innings in total, striking out five times not getting on base via a walk. So if I'm not mistaken, those are their four base runners they get off of Corbin. And the manager takes him out. Tanner Rainey comes into the game. I look at his stat line they're putting on the screen as he begins his warm-up pitches for the outing, and ERA of like 8.9. And like, what are they doing? They have this lead thanks to a Josh Bell home run that was hit in the sixth inning. Took, took Wainwright deep. It was the only mark against Wainwright his entire outing. Just one of those things that's going to happen. But it wasn't like... I mean, it wasn't like Patrick Corbin was laboring in any imaginable way. It, was, it wasn't a pinch hit situation unless I missed something. Can go back and look at this. But they, they just straight took him out of the game. And it would have been the, the conversation... That would have dominated this uh, this podcast and the the talk of the Cardinals Nationals game on Tuesday after the fact for anybody who was going to talk about it. The decision to take out Patrick Corbin when the Cardinals just flat out couldn't figure him out. I don't know what it is sometimes for the Cardinals about certain pitchers, guys who you know. I'm not gonna. I don't want to phrase him as a guy that they should kill because, like I said, Corbin has had a very fine big league career earned the contract that he's got, but he's been struggling to start this season. Not anymore. He found his footing tonight against the Cardinals lefty. A lot of times, I don't know if that's just narrative driven or if over the course of time that ends up being true. And really it's hard to compare from year to year, whether the Cardinals, the narrative being, can the Cardinals hit lefties or it's these soft tossing lefties and the lefties that, you know, they haven't seen before that end up stifling the Cardinals and, they're not able to get anything done against those kinds of pitchers. I don't think you can compare year to year necessarily. But narrative-wise, it sure does seem like the Cardinals have these games where, and again, they're mounting this season. Cardinals now 8-9 and nine on the year. We, we, we can look at the data and say just from this year alone, they've been a hot-and-cold, all-or-nothing, feast-or-famine offense. And tonight was one of the the famine kinds of nights, especially when you look at it against the starting pitcher, Wainwright. I asked him because we didn't get to talk to a hitter tonight uh, via Zoom. That's just the way it goes sometimes, I guess. Especially when the team's on the road, we're not in control of who we can get, and and we get who we get sometimes. And if the players, you know, end up kind of heading out before, you know, if the manager goes a little long or starting pitcher we talked to Wainwright usually for quite a while and so I guess by the time that wrapped up didn't get a chance to ask any hitters but I guess it's a good thing I asked Wainwright got a little bit of perspective of what what it was that Patrick Corbin was doing to these guys that made it so difficult to hit and he said he just mixed really well in and out really working the corners of the zones Wainwright of course loves to talk about his hitting and he said basically he's in a funk right now at the plate where he feels like Anything that's going to be a strike, that's what he's going to inevitably lay off of. And then if he's geared up, ready, and swings at something, that's going to be a pitch out of the zone. So he feels like I feel on MLB The Show pretty much, uh, which I haven't downloaded that game, purchased it yet for this season, but you can imagine that I will. And uh, when I do, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter if you want to to beat me up in that game because I'm not that good. I just started playing for the first time online, trying to be a little competitive last year. But I enjoy it a lot, so I'm, I'm sure we'll be able to have some games. But, yeah, Wainwright struggling at the plate, but it wasn't just him against Patrick Corbin tonight. It was all the Cardinals, and so that's what made it so befuddling that mid-70s in pitch count just straight up takes him out. And I haven't been able to locate any tweets or anything from some Nationals writers who were involved in the postgame on that side of things if he was asked about it. But really, I mean, at that point, they won the game, so it ends up, not costing them, but I think we need to highlight a little bit of what the Cardinals did positively from an offensive perspective, because when Tanner Rainey comes into that game, it's Yadier Molina that gets things going in the inning with a 10-pitch walk where he really grinded out a good plate appearance. And you thought, okay, and I said this, I tweeted this out, that Davey Martinez might have just done the Cardinals a favor when he brought Rainey into the game, not because I don't think Rainey is a, a good pitcher, he throws hard, certainly upper 90s can, I believe, touch triple digits or has at some point in the past. Kind of a, a contrast, though, from what you've seen with Corbin. From the left side, doesn't throw quite as hard. I don't know what his velocity is exactly at these days, but uh, as Wainwright mentioned, he's a little craftier. He's going to mix his pitches and his locations to try to beat you. And that's what he did tonight, but it, it's almost like a reset, a refresh. When you get to see, as, as an offense, a different Style of pitcher come in, even if it's a hard thrower. I think at that point the Cardinals were ready to welcome just about anything different than what they were seeing from Corbin because they just hadn't been able to solve him. And Yachty then gives him a ten pitch at bat, a plate appearance, I should say, where he draws the walk and gives his his teammates a look at what this guy coming out of the bullpen's got, flashes his whole arsenal. Then Dylan Carlson rips one to center field. I think would have been a home run. They said on the broadcast in seven of the MLB parks, but this one wasn't one of them, but it gets out of the reach of the center fielder's glove. And so it goes for a triple for Dylan Carlson to tie the game. And then he ends up scoring on an Austin Dean sacrifice fly. So great situational hitting great grinding out of at bats by the Cardinals offense, in the middle of the, the order, you know, whether you think that's who should be batting in certain spots or not. The fact of the matter is Yachty's your cleanup man. Dylan Carlson's at number five right now, which I think he'll continue to settle in at that spot. And eventually, if Yachty goes cold, you might see Dylan rise up to number four at some point in time, which is uh, something I think I've mentioned a ton on the podcast, even going back into spring training, that I would like to see. But nevertheless, it wasn't you know, an offensive explosion for the Cardinals tonight. But based on the outing you got from Wainwright, that should have been enough. Those two runs honestly could have done it. And the thing that's been so impressive about the Cardinals before tonight has been in the games where they've needed their bullpen to be at their best, the bullpen has been at its best. This was not one of those nights. And I I don't think there's any way, and, and Schilt was asked about the idea of he had the chance after the game was already tied because Giovanni Gagos just did not have his best night. He didn't have his good stuff. His mechanics looked a little wonky. You could tell after the first two batters he faced, he walked the first guy and then plunked the second guy with a a pitch that just wasn't, I mean, it just wasn't close. Got him in the back of the left shoulder, like the shoulder blade. And at that point, I said, well, he's got to face one more batter, but I'd have somebody up and ready just in case this doesn't go well. Because of the three batter minimum, he obviously had to stay in the game at that point. But ultimately, some crazy stuff goes down in this eighth inning where at one point the Cardinals have a five-man infield trying to avoid that tying run from scoring. And ultimately, Giovanni Gallegos pitches through that one, gets the strikeout, but that's a spot where yet had Alex Reyes up and warming. I believe Jordan Hicks might have even gotten up. It was a, a laborious inning at that point for Gallegos. Mentioned that he didn't have his best stuff. Ends up going two-thirds of an inning, gives up a hit. Three walks, had a hit by a pitch as well, and allows two earned runs. And ultimately, it's a walk with the bases loaded that does him in with two outs. Could have been out of the jam, and I don't think he threw a a strike in that at-bat. Four-pitch walk, ends up tying the game, and then gives up a a base hit thereafter. That puts the Nationals on top. Alex Reyes comes in to get the last out, but by by that point, it was kind of too little too late. So I don't agree with... People who might be out there second-guessing, like, Mike Schilt shouldn't have gone to Giovanni Gallegos. Because I saw some opinions that, like, Gallegos has been overused, so he was not well-rested. That's not true. He, You know, he's he's not pitched in a back-to-back in a couple of weeks now at this point. So, it's it's not that he's not well-rested. It's not that he's not been effective. He's been really one of the Cardinals better, if not the best reliever, not only this season, but I would say... Since the beginning of 2019, you could make an argument. I know he had a tough 2020, but we kind of are using the grain-of-salt treatment for that season in general. But he's looked good this year. I mean, really, really good. Has looked really sharp at times, and I I don't know who else you would want to possibly go to. That's basically the way you draw it up, is to have a one-run lead going into the 8th. You go to Geo for the 8th, you go to Reyes for the ninth, and you go shake hands. And in this case, Cardinals don't end up shaking hands. I, I I, think you could make the argument that Alex Reyes would have been the better choice with the game still tied or even in that situation where the game hasn't been tied yet. But they let Gio try to pitch through it. Schilt, understandably, is going to be one to defend his guys and talk about the fact that he has been their best reliever, if not their best, one of their best relievers. I forget exactly how he phrased it, but he's got a point. It's just a shame that this was the time the bullpen, you know, one of the times the bullpen has coughed it up. The other games where the bullpen has struggled, it hasn't been nearly as big of a deal because it's been in losing situations. You're already down by a couple runs. Now you're down, you know, what's two or three more? It's not like that was a game where the offense turned it on late and you probably could have won with a better effort from the relief pitching. It's just been one of those things. And so it's like, all right, well, they're, they're timing their, their hiccups, the Cardinals' bullpen is, in a pretty good way. But this was a night where, you know, the hiccup came and you really could have, you really could have used it on any other night because this was a game the Cardinals had, you know, in the bag, really. I mean, based on how automatic Gallegos and Reyes have been, you figure that two to to one lead would have been enough. Ultimately it's not and the Cardinals now have to come into a situation where they're now looking to break a streak that has carried on throughout the beginning of this season for the month of April, the Cardinals come into tomorrow 0-4 in rubber games this season. You split the first two games of a series, you come into the third one with a chance to claim that series, and the Cardinals haven't once been able to do that this season. Mike Schultz says he has no question about how his team is going to respond tomorrow, but I think it's interesting because, for one, it is the first time that the Cardinals have had a game and they've blown it. Not they had a chance to win, not they could have come back, but they had this game, it felt like it had been won in a kind of triumphant fashion, and then that was, you know, the, the the rug, the wool was pulled over the eyes, the rug was swept away, and you're left there kind of standing with your pants down, didn't get it done. So that's not a great feeling for a baseball team or for anybody, to be honest with you, if I'm going to use that analogy. But now they come into a game tomorrow where afternoon game, Getaway day, you're coming back home, you've got an off day on Thursday, sets up before a a long homestand at Busch Stadium. It's a game you'd love to be able to win. Is the focus going to be there? It's going to need to be because you're facing Max Scherzer, that guy doesn't mess around. But is that a situation where you totally expect the Cardinals to get stifled in a ball game and they come out and and do a lot of damage against the guy? Going to be interesting to see how they perform, how they respond, but certainly... Uh, To me, a a situation to watch as the Cardinals, you know, you can continue to say it's early and it is because it's still only the month of April and we're not even to the final week of April yet. So plenty of baseball to be played when you've only played 17 games of 162. I would say at a certain point in time uh, in the 2020 season, you would have maybe felt a little bit differently. Hey, 17 games, that was almost a, a third of the season last year. Different circumstances that the Cardinals are performing under this year. But you go against Max Scherzer on a Wednesday afternoon. You want to see your best from Carlos Martinez, who comes into the game, that he'll start on Wednesday and 3 with a 7.80 ERA. 8-9, and nine, kind of middling in the, the middle to potentially bottom of this division, depending on how some of the other outcomes from the next couple of days go in the NL Central. Cardinals, I still would say, are the favorite in this division. But they've got to start acting like it at some point in time. And I can think of no better time than doing that tomorrow against Max Scherzer. So, offense, I mean, it's the same old story, right? We can talk about it as much as we want. I don't know how to present it in a new way than what we've already discussed. I I guess at a certain point, it'll be after the games that they lose, we can say, well, you know, who's coming back from injury Can that maybe make a difference? You want to shake up the lineup. We'll attack it from some different angles. Hey, and maybe we get a little bit warmer. I know it snowed today in St. Louis. If you were around for that, that sucked, but get a little bit warmer, get into the legitimate spring and then kind of early summer. Hey, we could start talking about trades (laughs) who, who are the Cardinals going to go get to fix this dang offense. And look, it's, it's, that's what's so tough because you can look at certain stats and say, well, based on runs scored, you know, they look great because they score 12 and then they score two and that's an average of seven and, if you average seven runs for 162, you're probably going to be great. Well, Cardinals have averaged, and I can't say off the top of my head because I haven't looked it up, but their their run scored total is not an issue. You know, their average is, is perfectly acceptable. But their consistency in getting close to that average every game isn't happening. And tonight you saw how that can be a fatal flaw in a game where your bullpen maybe isn't at its best. Kind of take it for granted, if the Cardinals' bullpen wasn't at its best in the games where they really needed them over the first few weeks of the season, the Cardinals right now would be in a position where they would be sitting down probably below the Chicago Cubs last place in the Central because there have been some close games. I mean, I talked about it. I mentioned it on the podcast, I don't know, a week to 10 days ago, about how the Cardinals really hadn't lost a close game that felt like You know, a a game they they should have won. It hadn't happened. Tonight was the first time. Now they're going to have to respond. They're going to have to find a way to bounce back from that. And, you know, I think they're going to be capable of doing that. They've got the players in the lineup. It's just how can they mix it together to be able to consistently enough not have the games where you're relying on everything else to be perfect. Wainwright was damn near perfect, had just the one pitch to Josh Bell, which by the way, the broadcast said on that home run, it would have been a home run in one major league park, apparently the one that they were in. It was hit kind of to the gap, and I guess, you know, there was a spot on the outfield crevice that kind of jutted in and allowed that to go. Um, You know, Josh Bell had a great swing on it. I don't know that I necessarily trust that it would have only been a home run in one of 30 major league parks, but nevertheless, that was really the mistake Adam Wainwright made. And it didn't cost you the game because you got the lead after that. But then you rely on your bullpen, which, take it for granted, it had been perfect to this point. In the days you really needed it to be, it had been there for you. Tonight it wasn't. What do you do in those situations? How often is it going to happen? You know, that's going to be the mark of a, of any baseball team having the bullpen struggle. I don't think any, any team is perfect in that area where over the course of a six-month season, they're not going to go through some of that. In the Cardinals' case, you'd like to think that it's not going to be as often as some other teams because they do have a stable of really quality relievers out there that more times than not are going to be able to figure out a way to keep you in games that you're supposed to be in and allow you to win the games you're supposed to win. You know, Sometimes it's going to be up to the offense late to figure it out. The bullpen's giving you quality innings to keep you within a run or two. Now you go do the job. That's not something the Cardinals have been able to do. And now tonight, the first kind of chink in the armor of, hey, we're, we're also not a guaranteed W if uh, we've got that 2-1 to lead late. Because sometimes the bullpen's going to cough it up. They're only human. That's what you expect. But going to be interesting to track how the Cardinals respond after a game like this. Uh, because it, it is one that stings. Mike Schild admitted that. it it This one hurts a little bit. And they'll have to fight back tomorrow against a really, really tough customer in Max Scherzer. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode and every episode of Be shape Daily. And for those of you that do listen, if you somehow managed to find the show this many times in a row without actually subscribing, that's almost like an impressive skill. But I'd rather you just go ahead and subscribe so you don't have to work so hard. You know, it shouldn't be that hard to listen to the show. Pop it up with a notification on your phone. Boom, there you go. The way you can do that, there's a couple of ways. Go to whatever app you use, like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, those kinds of podcasting apps, and you can just search b Daily and find it. You're probably already listening on one of those apps. Look around on your phone screen, click the up button or whatever it is, and subscribe. Also, if that doesn't work for you, head to anchor.fm slash 12 hit the More Platforms tab, and then there's like 10 options. You can use any of those apps. Listen to B-Shape Daily, all Cardinals baseball season long, into the offseason, et cetera, et cetera. Appreciate you guys once again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.